You know what? There's there's really a small part of me that would really enjoy pulling somebody's head out of their own ass. You know? And they're just sitting there seeing sunlight for the first time. And you just hose them down a little bit. Definitely got to hose them down. And you're, you're like, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the world. Sounds like you want to birth people, but just from buttholes. From their own asses. <laughs> it's okay. I'm basically a doctor. <laughs> Good. I just wanted to clarify that part. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could be beneficial. Yeah, I think so too. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Everyone is Cancelled. I'm your host, Dylan Randall, and I have with me my partner in crime and in love and in life, Miss Michaela McDonald for episode 61. How you doing, my dear? I'm good. We're starting. Wow. Let's get into it. We went to Austin, Texas, and uh, it was something. Mm-hmm. We went for a wedding mm-hmm. of Michaela's friend, mm-hmm. which was lovely. Yeah, beautiful. Went to Barton Springs, and I turned 30 mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas, <laughs> in that ass country. <laughs> it was an interesting trip. It was. I've been to Austin once before, and I remember having mixed feelings about it. Mm. But I went this time, and we were together, but we both kind of noticed some things that made it an interesting experience. Mm. And so we're just going to be talking a little bit about Austin what it's like to turn 30. Michaela and I are both 30 years old. I think that's an interesting sort of landmark. And just life after 30, I guess, and what that means. Yeah. I guess it's just our assumptions about what it could mean. We don't know yet. No, we know everything <laughs> about about life, and that's what, what we're here to do. We're here to, we're here to inform you guys on how to live yours. Mm, so. Bossy. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is fictional. It's not real. Listen to your doctor and obey the laws in your country. And if you get your doctor's permission, and it it is indeed legal in your country, go fuck yourself. Is that legal here? If I got my doctor's, if I got my doctor's permission, would that be legal here in this country? I've never looked into it. I'm not sure. Somebody should look up if it's legal to fuck yourself in the United States of America with a doctor's consent. I honestly don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of doctor you'd need to get that consent. I know it's illegal to collect rainwater in some states. Mm, very different. Because apparently the state owns the fucking sky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's there's a, that. It's a weird law. I remember learning about that in uh, environmental science. Class. We will tell you what you can and cannot do with your home and your body and your mouth. <laughs> we will censor you. We have found you offensive. Yeah. Apparently... It's now an act of terrorism to question the validity of the last election. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Apparently, the uh, Department of Homeland Security apparently said that it is, an, it is an act of terrorism to not believe that Joe Biden is our president. So, is this the first time that questioning something as valid has been deemed terrorism? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Russell Brand. Seems like a new line. 
that's it's being annoying. crossed. Yeah, Russell Brand was talking about how basically the problem with taking the white the the rights away from terrorists allegedly is that you could literally deem through the Patriot Act uh, anyone is a terrorist terrorist for anything uh, at the whimsy of whoever's in power. Mm. So now questioning the integrity of an election is an act of terrorism, which is interesting because I've always thought that the questioning of the integrity of everything uh, keeps intact its its very integrity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can't question something, who's who? who is the one who's allowed to question it? Yeah, it's like seeing, you know, seeing if anything is true. You want to confirm it. You want to be like, is it true? Right. Is it true? Is it true? <laughs> Am I allowed to know why something is true anymore? Yeah. Or do I just have to take the word yeah. of the powers that be? Yeah. That's, wow. That's pretty intense. Times. So I'm curious if you want to start us off. Ooh. We went to Austin, Texas. There we were, in Texas. We flew in. It was very fun to fly through the sky together. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And what was we- your impression of everything? Of everything. Well, there were so many different feelings and thoughts. I personally, I, <laughs> Dylan has a very squeaky chair and I'm aware of it. I don't know if our listeners are aware of it, but I'm aware of it. I um, spent some of my childhood in Austin, Texas. So I have my own kind of overlay when it comes to Austin. My mom and I moved there um, when I was, I don't know, young, 12, I think. No, younger than that. Yeah, let's call it 12. And we had never been there before, but we moved there sight unseen uh, because I wanted to go to the Austin Waldorf School because we had some friends from Arizona that had gone there and they liked it. And they were like, come on, come on over, come on over to Texas. It's green, it's beautiful, the school is great. And um, it seems like it was a solution to a lot of the educational queries that my mom and I had. So, um, you know, spent, I spent, you know, seventh grade all the way through 12th grade living there. And I have lots of memories, fond and more challenging as well. So I know I have my own memories of it. And to that point, um, I graduated from high school in 2010. So Austin was a very different place those six or so years when I was in school. Um, And there's still ways that I'm really shocked by how much it's grown. So that was something I was really aware of. But, you know, I'd been to Austin a few years back, back in 2019, and noticed how much bigger it is, how much busier it is. I do see the big influx of um, Californians in Texas. And that's something that Dylan and I were talking about, of like, wow, it feels like Austin is a new version of L.A., and <laughs> I really don't like LA personally. Um, I have family that lives out there and I every time I visit them, I'm like, this is a no, it's a no for me. And I could see somebody feeling like Austin, Texas is an upgrade from LA. If that's where you lived and you wanted some of the, kind of those, I don't know, the hipness and the, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe all the qualities of it, but Austin has a lot of that now it seems. And for context, for those of you who have not been to L.A., it's a it's a beautiful place. If you've ever wondered what the inside of a literal shithole <laughs> looks and smells like, uh, L.A. is the place to go for you. <laughs> to put it in more specific terms, I think the way that, <laughs> that it's been developed 
is very car central. So it's just it's it's just not a very well organized city. There's so much traffic all the time, all the time, and it's just it's like such a concrete jungle. But it's so flat, it's so spread out, and Austin or L.A. 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 Yeah. It's just and and so then Austin, it's been growing. It's like I think it's been one of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. for. I think the last decade, I don't know for sure. I should check that. But it's they're developing things so quickly. We were driving through parts of Texas that I was like, oh, this is gonna be so great. We're gonna be more like in the country for this part. And I was like, oh no, none of that was there before. Like there was whole huge developments and you know, the nature of a place is to grow and that's okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's grown at such a rapid rate. And it's that very like, um, I don't know, kind of like swanky version of growth is what I see too. And uh, which once again, nothing really wrong with that either, but it just, it, it, it I don't know. I, I like nature. I like nature being the dominant energy in a place. I like to feel the air, feel the trees. I like the sounds of nature to be the main thing I'm noticing. And um, you know, that's, that's why I live in the country. That's why I don't live in a city. So I think a lot of my stress when we were in Austin was just the basic fact that I was in a city. But then there's all these other layers of a place that has been so quaint and has been so unique in the past becoming kind of homogenized um, into this very like modern hip culture. And and then on top of that, just I I think the part that that really like bothered me in a certain way, which is interesting to think about, is how I just I felt like everybody was just doing what they felt like they should be doing. And everybody was uncomfortable and kind of anxious. And it just felt like like that kind of frantic energy was everywhere. They were all dressed the same. <laughs> they all acted the same. Hmm. I was just looking at the same three or four people the whole time I was in Austin, Texas. And if you're offended, I apologize uh, kindly with your doctor's permission, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't care. You guys in Austin, Texas need to to learn who the fuck you are and not who you think you're supposed to be. And you could take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. I think it's a valid inquiry whether you think you know yourself or not. It's something I ask myself all the time. You know, making sure I'm really being true to myself, being true to my heart. So I feel like even if they think they do know themselves, it's probably valuable to check, check again. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did meet very kind people in Austin, Texas. There were parts that we really enjoyed and people we really enjoyed being around. There's no complete whole washover of a place that deems the entire place bad. I mean, unless you're talking about LA. Uh, <laughs> that place is literally a plane of hell. But... You know, it's interesting to think that all all of these ultra liberals that lived in Los Angeles mm. voted for it to be a shithole mm. just to move to Austin and continue be, to be a liberal voting for shit politics. Mm. Mm. And that's the problem Texans have with this great migration from California. These A lot of what I've noticed is people voting for shitty circumstances. They live in it. They don't like it. So they move somewhere that is better, like Texas, which is better for a reason, and think that, that their politics don't need to change to sustain that. 
And so it's, it's sort of like a growth of a disease. And, and you see sort of, I saw some of these same trends that I've noticed in LA mm. starting to spurt up in Austin. Mm. And it makes me wonder how much it's going to take for people to realize that perhaps their way of thinking made their old home inhospitable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if people are, one, informed enough, but two, have enough of a zoomed out view to see the, that feedback loop. I think it's so delayed and then the narrative is shifted so often that people don't realize the impact that their votes are having on the like local government. Yeah, level. I think that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So my interest, is, my interest is in how do we fix that? How do we, how do we literally pull people's heads out of their asses in a kind way? Do you wanna be there for that? Do you need to like participate in that activity? You know what? There's there's really a small part of me that would really enjoy pulling <laughs> somebody's head out of their own ass. <laughs> you know. And they're just sitting there seeing sunlight for the first time. <laughs> and you just hose them down a little bit. Definitely got to hose them down. And you're you're like, "Welcome." <laughs> Welcome to the world. Sounds like you want to birth people but just from buttholes. From their own asses. <laughs> it's okay, I'm basically a doctor. <laughs> Good. I just wanted to clarify that part. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could be beneficial. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Austin was an interesting place. I really enjoyed visiting Barton Springs. Michaela yeah. really wanted me to take a, a birthday dip, mm. which was an interesting adventure. We drove around for Lord knows how long, half an hour, 40 minutes, trying I to think find it was parking. an hour and a half. There was thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people congregating in this place. Thousands of cars parked miles away, literally uh, away from the, the, uh, the destination we were trying to get to of people just congregating to some, smore, some small semblance of nature. Yeah, and, yeah. And then we got there, we finally found parking. We both almost had like a fucking midlife crisis, nervous breakdown, <laughs> what a great birthday. And it felt good to kind of let it out instead of just trying to make everything okay. It was like, fuck this place. Yeah. And then we were able to take a deep breath. Michaela really helped me with that. We found parking. We got to Barton Springs. We kind of made peace with where we were at. Because we're from the high desert. We're not used to a lot of people. We're used to being around more animals than people. Coyotes, owls, bunnies, pigeons, doves, (laughs) things of that nature. And this quail. And this place was just packed. Yeah. Packed with people. Yeah. But we had a good time. We had a little workout. Michaela was hanging on my arms and I was doing body curls with her. And <laughs> Makes me sound more like a monkey than I was. <laughs> but no, yeah, I did do that. Well, I want to just point out that, you know, people were parking all around there. It blew my mind because so uh, there's like a huge music festival that happens in Austin every year that you may or may not be aware of called Austin City Limits, ACL. And it's like a three or four day, three day three-day music festival that happens in this park, Zilker Park, which is close to downtown, close to Barton Springs, this whole area. And I went to that once or twice as a teen. And I remember the traffic, the parking being just like, like just so many cars. It just was the most intense thing. And there we were on a Sunday in the springtime. So not even peak like heat of Texas. trying to get to Barton Springs, trying to get close to this area. And I feel like we were dealing with the same traffic of 
of that music festival event. Now, I haven't been to Austin City Limits in years, so it might be so intense now that I couldn't even fathom it. But I do think there's a way that people were trying to get close to nature, right? So some of the parking was for people to be in the park, in Zilker Park, just hanging out in in the, they call it a lake, but it's actually a river. It's part of the Colorado River. Uh, they call it Ladybird Lake right there downtown. So people were paddle boarding, kayaking, canoeing, hanging out with their dogs, running on the trail. Beautiful stuff, awesome stuff. And then there were people also going to Barton Springs, which is this kind of little fenced off section where it's spring fed, really deep water, incredibly refreshing with these beautiful grassy hills that slope down to it. And it's a really profound place and it has a lot of history. And it's like, I get I get why people are so drawn to that nature because there's something almost like dehumanizing about the chaos of the city and the traffic and just so many people being everywhere that you wanna be and just trying to get food, just trying to get a moment of peace, just trying to like, find a moment of quiet felt so hard everywhere we went and nature is so balancing for that and i so i get why people were trying to basically i feel like it was an impulse to move towards sanity and that's why so many people were wanting to be in nature Mm -hmm. and i felt even though it was crowded I felt like I was finally comfortable in my body. I didn't realize until we were there and I felt the relief of it, how like anxious and stressed my whole nervous system was. And then once we were there inside, I got to put my hands on the grass as we were doing like, you know, I don't even know what I was doing, squats, planks, uh, something. And, and then jump into that cold water and swim and just laugh and see Dylan in this water. It was it was so incredible. It felt so so right and so sane. And and there's something about that contrast of the the beehive chaos to then be in that moment of something that just makes sense like not just to my brain but to the depths of my being. So yeah, that was really good. We had a workout. Something I noticed, something Michaela and I, I think, both acknowledged and were feeling was being in the city, you kind of feel trapped. And I like to have a balance of input and output. I like to put energy out in a way that is equal to the energy I consume. And we were just kind of trapped in a way where you're in a car a lot of the time, you're going out to eat, but we weren't, I didn't feel that natural balance and I wasn't getting enough out. So we were kind of deciding whether we wanted to go to a grocery store and just skip to Barton Springs because it was so crazy or try to make Barton Springs. And just and just the thought of eating more food, putting more in when I felt like I just needed to get everything out, I was feeling pent up, was horrible. I wanted to go. She wanted to show me her Whole Foods that she used to go to as a kid, <laughs> as a young adult. And that was great the next day. But... Just going there, working out in the sun, feeling the grass with our bare feet and hands, and then going out and having a beautiful swim felt so good. I felt so much better. And it shows me how easily it is to get into a state of chaos and panic and fight or flight in that place. Everyone's honking at each other. Everyone is anxious. And everyone is just doing the same thing. Everybody's driving the same way, dressing the same way, acting the same way eating the same way 
And there's a sadness in that. And I think there's a lot of beauty in Austin. If Michaela and I were talking about, if we had to choose between LA and Austin, it's Austin all day. And I think it's great. The comedy scene that's rising there. I interviewed a comedian that's up and coming there, Mariano DiVincenzo. You can look at that episode. There's a great scene happening there. Joe Rogan's moved there. He has a beautiful home there. Brian Holiday. Brian Holiday, I've heard. Mm-hmm. J.P. Sears. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of goodness there. And you are in Texas, and there's better laws there. And you can... We did drive to the outskirts. Mm-hmm. We went to a beautiful barbecue spot near Michaela's school that we visited, the Waldorf School, which is a really interesting place. And that was delicious. So we had a lot of good times. Yeah. Sometimes it's great to have contrast and to help you realize, what do I appreciate? Yeah. Do I like being in a city? Do I like being a, a country mouse, as Michaela would put it? <laughs> what do I like? And you have to experience these things to appreciate what you have and what you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really appreciated that contrast. The people were kind. There, were, there was a kindness there that I did appreciate. Something I appreciate is a lot more people seem to be in shape there which was really cool to observe. I respect that. Good job, Austin. Uh, at least at Barton Springs, a lot of you were in shape, keeping healthy. I think that's really great. Um, none of you were nearly as big as me, and I think that's important to state. I'm a muscling man. I'm a girthy guy. I'm the biggest man here. I'm a veiny, girthy man. Oh, no. I pulsate. Oh, no. But you guys are doing good. You're, you're working up to, to a good place. <laughs> like Some it. of you were even pushing like 135, 140 pounds. <laughs> I like it. No, a lot of you guys were in shape, the men and women, and that's good to see. It's always good to see people taking care of themselves. Yeah. And um, all jokes aside, I think it was a good experience overall. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. So we visited Waldorf. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I'm, I, yeah, but I want to hear what your impressions were of it because, you know, I, it's a world I kind of grew up in, but I got to bring you into it. I know it's quirky, but what did you think? Michaela went to sort of a private school, I guess you would call it. This one was. There are charter Waldorf schools, and my mom and I hunted those down in the early years of my education. That's part of what took us to Arizona, Sedona, Arizona. Uh, but Waldorf schools are hard to keep going, especially in the later years, middle school, high school, because they require quite a bit of funding for chemistry labs and things like that. And this one in Austin, Texas is one of the, I think it's one of the longest standing Waldorf high schools. It's K through 12. So kindergarten all the way through 12th grade uh, in the US. So that's part of why we went there. But yeah, it is private. So it's, you gotta drop some change. She took me to the school. She's told me a little bit about it. And it's a specialty school that teaches on the basis of creativity and it's sort of in the middle of this forest you go out in the middle of the outskirts of really just kind of near the green belt I, I would guess it's reminiscent of the green belt which is just a lot of trees and forestry and i really enjoyed seeing this place that had if you've ever been to like a camp like a summer camp that has like a lot of log cabins um this is reminiscent of that yeah. and I went there and what I noticed immediately was that this place was designed to be in nature rather than to exclude nature. I remember at my elementary school, there was this huge, giant, great, beautiful tree and grass in the middle. And I remember all the kids crying when they ripped this ancient tree up, took out all the grass and filled it with concrete and an auditorium. 
And it was so sad and the kids were crying. And I think that it was because that innocence recognized the beauty of nature. And that was sort of downhill for that place. But Waldorf was the opposite in the way that it was integrated with the trees, with nature. And even the playgrounds, Michaela mentioned to me how they were designed to not be the safest thing. They had these huge, awesome climbing ropes you could climb up on. Mm -hmm. And it was meant to teach kids like independence and that you're responsible for your own safety. Mm -hmm. And the way this place is set up, there's gardens to teach kindergartners how to garden, mm-hmm. how to plant things and watch them grow. The, the class had a live bunny in it and kindergarten to teach them kindness to animals. They teach kids how to speak different languages. They teach kids how to do uh, these dances that you can speak with. You can It's like a language, what's it called, with dancing? That was such a beautiful way to describe it. It's called Eurythmy. Not Eurythmics. It's not an Annie Lennox album. <laughs> but yeah, Eurythmy. Uh, And it's where you can say things with a dance. Mm -hmm. It's a language of dance. And they teach you all all of these ways to explore your creativity, explore your mind, explore nature. They don't let you use technology until high school. So everything is with, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, everything's with pencil and paper and, and plants. You don't even learn to read until I think the second or third grade. I didn't go through the full grade school because we were moving schools so much. So I actually learned how to read in kindergarten when we lived in Hawaii. Um, But there's, yeah, there's all, it's really designed so that children are being met with where they're at developmentally. So it's really, it's not just um, helpful so that they're learning what they need to learn in a timely fashion, but it's, the idea is that the curriculum is really nourishing to like where their hearts are at and where their minds are at and where their bodies are at every step of the way. Yeah, I loved it. There was a piece there we played basketball, tetherball, we climbed on the jungle gyms, sat in the swings, mm. worked out, had fun. Yeah. It was like Michaela and I's child selves got to play together and that felt really good. Yeah, it was almost like we got to be classmates or something or for a little bit. It was I think it was, you know, it's much trippier for me because that's those that's the basketball court I played basketball on and um, that's the playground that I went to recess. You know, and um, it was really cool to see Dylan's curiosity about everything because, you know, I think with my classmates and all that, we we knew it was unique, but we just took it in stride. It was just, well, of course, now we go to, you know, Scandinavian wood chip carving in the afternoon. And, well, of course, the fourth grade is going to be putting on a play that we all get to go to attend. And um, but seeing it kind of through his eyes gave me a whole new wave of appreciation for it all. And. I'm really grateful I went there. I, as a kid, my mom was, she was so eager for me to make my own decisions. She's like, oh, I just can't wait till you're old enough to just know what you want, because I just, I want you to decide. <laughs> and um, she was always interested in alternative education. And we explored other schools like Montessori and, and just other kind of alternative forms of education. And the little bit of Waldorf I was exposed to in the first grade, I was like, ooh, this I like this let's do this and so she's like okay okay let's do that and I think for me I am such a creative person it really did uh, speak to me and the ways that I wanted to make art and music and dance and act and do sculpture and stained glass and learn how to knit and learn how to you know do oil painting like it just so many things you learn so many things at a Waldorf school and they have been criticized for not being as strong in science but 
I think that makes sense partly with the funding. And also the cool thing to me about the way science is taught at Walder schools is that you're not just taught what to memorize, you're taught the process through which scientists discovered things. So you're really taught like how to think like a scientist and how to explore things in this very curious and um, mm, like broad-minded way. We're like, well, what what is influencing this? And could it also be this other factor? And so I, I feel like while I may not know the certain equations or anything uh, for chemistry and things like that, which I remember we, we touched on those. <laughs> but you can learn it because you've been taught it. how to learn. Yeah. I would much rather be taught in a universal way, mm-hmm. which it sounds like Waldorf does, mm-hmm. uh, on how to learn rather than very specific problems. Yeah. Like you can memorize something and accomplish a very specific problem, but what if a, something new comes up? Yeah. If you have no idea how to tackle that, mm-hmm. you're just a nerd. Right. Well, um, and being able yeah. to ask questions, that goes back to the thing you were saying earlier about, you know, is it terrorism to question the validity of an election? And I think, oh, I just think being able to ask questions is so important. And yeah. That's, yeah. So anyway, it was really cool to see Dylan there and to see his experience of it and uh, and to see that the school is thriving. I, you know, it was cool to see the different improvements that they've made and to see that it's it's still going strong. It made me really happy. I was really happy to be there, my love. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was really great to see where you kind of grew up and. Yeah. Well, um, and he. Where you learned how to study and and think for yourself and i love that you were taught to think in a creative out of the box way that serves you and not some fucking corporation yeah when when we were attending you know the wedding and the various events around it that was with one of my middle school and high school classmates and so some of my other classmates were at these events and it was so cool to kind of talk about waldorf with them and and share you know share about it with Dylan and then the other people around us. And, and one, I remember one of my classmates said that she really liked that uh, we, we learned how to think critically as part of our education, but that it was never like explicitly called that. It wasn't like, no, we're gonna learn about critical thinking. It was just woven into everything, everything that we did and all the ways that we engaged with material. And so, it was, it was cool to, you know, here, here, there I was at a table with, you know, seven of my peers from school. And I was asking all of them, like, how do you feel, you know, now that we're all like 30 or so, uh, having gone to Waldorf, how do you feel about that experience? And it seems like it was overall pretty positive for everybody that they, they feel like it really helped them have a richer life. They sung me... A happy birthday song. <laughs> in German. In German. And then... In we, harmony. <laughs> well, no, in a round. In a round. Mm. Which harmonized, you know, which, yeah. Um, and then and then we were singing, there were like all these other versions of happy birthday that we sang to you that honestly, I, I couldn't remember them now if I had to, but one of my classmates, Laura, she's, she's really like, she's like a little walking encyclopedia of songs. She loves singing Waldorf songs. And so we really, we got in there. We sang him a lot of songs. He was so happy, you guys. He was so happy to be sung to. It was the day of my friend's wedding was his birthday. And so I, I you know, t- 
tried in little ways to still make it feel special. And uh, my friend who got married actually bought him a very beautiful birthday hat. I think that should be posted somewhere on social media soon, don't you? I do. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> I felt very loved. So many people sang me happy birthday. Yeah, all the all the uh, cousins, nieces, and nephews. I think that were the, kind of the young the young ones at the wedding, sang him. And the wedding became about my birthday, <laughs> and that really was what I was hoping for. He wanted to come in and dominate the wedding. I mean, he was the biggest person there. <laughs> in his heart and mind and body. It's really important for things to be about me. I'm, I'm glad that was able to happen in Texas. You know, I, I knew that that mattered to you, so I really paved the way um, to make that happen. And I, I don't need credit. I just wanted to say it on air. <laughs> no, but it was really sweet and really beautiful. And Dylan was just so gracious. He's, he's really good at um, enjoying himself and making the most of things. And staying pretty deeply in gratitude for all his rage congruence. He's actually a very grateful guy. I get it out here so I can be nice to you fuckers in real life. <laughs> I enjoyed the wedding. Everybody was very kind, and I really loved meeting Michaela's friends that she grew up with. Excellent, excellent people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Felt a lot of love there, and I had, I had cake on my birthday. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. It and, looked good. It yeah. looked really good. Fortunately, Michaela couldn't have any because she's allergic to gluten and dairy, yeah. which I say good. That stuff can fuck you up even if you're not allergic. Yeah. It's like kind it's of- an, It's been a nice boundary throughout my life, actually. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of birthdays, mm -hmm. uh, by the way, I just want to say, it. I'm starting to appreciate weddings. I, I never understood the point. When I was a kid, I thought marriage was just how you were supposed to be, and I thought it was beautiful. I could see it with my innocence. And then as an adult, I saw marriage as sort of like, because I experienced divorce, a really ugly divorce with my parents, and mm. I saw it around me, and mm. and I wondered, what is the point of being married? Why? Why can't people just be together? And I've really held onto, onto that mindset until very recently, and I think maybe there's some similarities. I see it to Jordan Peterson, but it really, I've, I've come to my own thought of how I appreciate a commitment of people and of love, and, and I could see I've come kind of full circle where I can see the innocence and validity and love and the beauty of, of marriage and to be there for that for the first time as an adult with that lens of appreciation was really actually uh, beautiful and I really appreciated going there with a lens of appreciation rather than just feeling like I kind of had to be there mm. you know you know mm. um, and so that was I really appreciated that that it was enlightening to me, and it was a beautiful place. It was sort of like a French villa with horses around and yeah. just out in the country. Yeah, really close to the town of uh, Buda, Texas, which is a pretty mm. small town out in the country. So it was, yeah, my friend Lily really chose a wonderful spot. It felt almost like we were in um, Tuscany or something. Yeah. It was, there was one of my friends, her, her partner's from uh, Ireland, and he was like, this Ireland. does, this does feel like Tuscany. He was a good You're guy. Right. Yeah, he was really fun. They were fun. So anyways, it was a good time. I, I always enjoy anything that can enlighten me and further my uh, potential as a human being and, and, and make me a little bit, hopefully, wiser than I was yesterday. Mm, yeah. I feel like I learned a lot about myself too, even through the discomfort of like, oh shit, I really hate being in the city. <laughs> and that's 
Dylan was referencing earlier, the whole country mouse, city mouse. I think there was some childhood book that I read about there's a country mouse and there's a city mouse and they visit each other or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've wondered that about myself. Which one am I? What, what, what feels really true to me? And in my tiny emotional breakdown on his birthday when we couldn't find parking and we were just stuck in this car and I just felt like everything was so much more crowded than I expected and I just felt so out of control and so trapped, so trapped in this city Um, and just so mad, so mad. And just letting myself feel that anger of just like, fuck this place, fuck all these people, like I don't like any of it. I don't, and Dylan was so sweet. He was kind of like, no, but it's okay. it's okay. And I was like, no, it's not. I just need to be mad for a while. Everything you're saying is beautiful and I appreciate it, but I only need to be mad right now because that's, that's, just, that's just where I'm at. And uh, that was such a, an eye-opening moment of like, wow, yeah, you know, I, I'm available to meet challenges and, and, you know, that whole stoic, idea of the obstacle is the way, right? It's not like I, I only wanna put myself in an environment where everything is perfectly comfortable and I'm never uncomfortable. And that's not what I mean when I talk about wanting to live closer to nature and being in that peace. And there is something about being in that kind of chaos of the city where like the dominant energy, the dominant feeling is this this panic of everybody trying to keep up with each other, trying to um, get theirs. You know, it's just like this feeling of scarcity, this feeling of, um, feels really deep and primal, almost like there's just not enough. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And that was so profound to really witness like, oh wow, I'm feeling something that's that's me and my own experience, but I think I'm also feeling something that is like what everybody else is kind of, like what they're running on, whether they're aware of yeah. it or not. Yeah. Huh. I think there was something really valuable. I, I was trying to force everything to be okay in my head, and I realized that was making me feel horrible, and that only made things, and I think Michaela could feel that too. Mm-hmm. And she finally was brave enough to release it for both of us and be like, fuck this place. <laughs> fuck it, fuck these people, it's, it's driving me crazy. And I felt a huge relief from that. Mm-hmm. And I really honor that bravery, and I, I mean, fuck. Sometimes you gotta let things out, and I think bravery is not denying your own feelings. I think that's cowardice. I think we see it as bravery, but as cowardice, I'm starting to realize. I've always been so afraid to let people know how I feel, to always just appear strong, and it just sits inside and festers. Mm. But when I, when I, when I could just be honest about something, and not toe the line of how I think I'm supposed to be. Every time I do that, I feel better. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I really appreciate that about being with you because I, I think I've felt afraid of my own anger throughout my life. And it's such a relief. It can be such a relief to be honest with yourself about, you know what, I fucking hate everything that's happening right now or 20% of what's happening right now or whatever it is and to feel like, I could be angry and that you still knew that I love you. Like in that moment, it was so profound to to feel like, and I didn't fully know if you, you know, I was like, I might really be fucking up this whole day by letting all this out. I didn't know for sure if it was gonna be okay. You know, when, when, so the, okay. when the dust settled. And even though I didn't know exactly how it was gonna shake down, I, I, I knew that, 
it felt right and it's just what I needed and I, I trusted us to, you know, find our find our way back to a sense of peace no matter what. I loved it. It was really the right thing. Yeah. And, I'm and like, actually, I love this woman. And <laughs> yes, and I love this man. I fucking love this woman. <laughs> yeah, I love you a lot too. It's pretty awesome. And that I, I was amazed all that crying and raging and shouting and uh, I make it sound more intense than it was. I don't know. Maybe it was that intense. Either way, it was it perfect. It was what it was, it's and it perfect. felt great. But I, I had a whole stroke of insight of like, I know a place where we could park that's totally within walking distance of all this bullshit. And okay, let's do it, you know? And side note, it was a really interesting experience of um, expectations and how expectations can create a lot of suffering. Because I feel like, uh, and Dylan and I talked about this, like the the way that we can have so much expectation and pressure on a birthday. Oh, especially, oh, this was a big birthday, you guys. This was a 30-year birthday. And it was just so interesting to notice that feeling of like, oh, all the expectations, all the feelings. Like we need it to be special. We need, you know, Dylan to have a good time and everything needs to go smoothly. And part of Part of my experience with all of that was feeling like I felt so guilty that I hadn't anticipated the crowds more or, you know, decided we should just walk or Lyft or Uber or whatever the fuck. And it was so cool to really name like, oh yeah, a lot of times birthdays can kind of disappoint us because there's all this pressure for it to be special and all this hope and expectation that it will be special. And it was cool to like name that and talk about it. And, and I, I acknowledge to Dylan like how I've, I've had a lot of times, a lot of birthdays where I've, I've had little, little moments, you know, of like, <laughs> it's not what I wanted. And it's just a really interesting phenomenon to witness that kind of the hope, the expectation. What are your thoughts on that? I was thinking about expectations a lot the last couple of days and expectations for yourself are hard enough. And I think anytime we do that, we're putting things that are outside of our control uh, into our into our realm of what we're going to worry about. Right, like making things that aren't your business your business. Yeah. Right? I was listening to Oprah, of all people, <laughs> yesterday on a clip. And she was talking about how when you put expectations on other people, they're often not going to fulfill those expectations and they're going to move on. They're going to do, she said, people aren't going to do what you would do in a situation. And when you expect them to do that, the only person that's suffering is you and they're going to move on. They're going to, they're going to not be thinking twice about the situation, but it is you who will dwell on that scenario and it is you who suffers. So if you can, which I'm still fucking working on, it's, it's nice to not, to be able to go through life with a sense of wonder and love, and my mom does this so well. She appreciates everything that happens to her because I don't think she really expects anything. I think she appreciates, and Michaela acknowledged this the other day, my mom is so loving and full of joy. Mm-hmm. Just getting it, when she just gets a text from, from me, it just fills her, it makes her day. Yeah. Same with Michaela when she texts her. And uh, <laughs> if you can really let go of expectations, you really save yourself a lot of suffering, I find. Mm-hmm. And then everything that happens to you is just the greatest thing in the world. When somebody thinks of you, it's like, I can't believe you thought of me. 
Yeah. And a lot of a lot of me has kind of gotten there, but there's still parts that need to get there, and I'm working on it. I don't know if life is ever about the destination. I think it's the journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoy that because I already feel so appreciative mm-hmm. of a lot of things. And to be able to make more room for appreciation means making less room for suffering. Yeah. And it feels, I mean, obviously, when you're not fucking suffering, it feels good. Of course. Well, gosh, hearing you say that reminds me of like a pretty important moment that I can kind of forget about when it comes to the moment of rage on Saturday, April 2nd, (laughs) Dylan's birthday, of the map was trying to make me do a left turn into like a four lane road, you know, two cars going, or what is it, two lanes on each side, right? It's busy, it's chaotic, there's so many cars, everybody's not using their blinkers, it's just a very stressful situation. I think there was construction nearby, it was just a whole hot mess. And it was just leading us back into so much traffic. I was like, this is just all so chaotic. And left-hand turns already make me a little nervous, especially when there's no green arrow. <laughs> there was no light. It was just a stop sign. And um, and I had this moment, because I could tell Dylan was feeling kind of, you know, not great, a little heavy uh, in his head and heart. And I was trying to kind of be like, everything's fine, everything's fine, we're going to figure it out. Whatever, you know, whatever you want, it's your birthday. And then I had this moment of, I could tell I didn't feel connected to him. And I was like, fuck, you know, we might die. Like, I think especially my anxious brain thinking about doing a left-hand turn, I was like, we could really die though. Um, but just that, that stoic concept, right, of remembering that the next moment isn't guaranteed. Our, our life and our very existence isn't guaranteed moment to moment, day to day. And I just felt overcome with this feeling of, oh, I love this man so much and I want him to know that I love him and I wanna feel his heart and I wanna feel my own heart and be connected to him in this moment. Because even though my I'm disappointed that this hasn't been easier, even though we're hot in a car, even though you know I feel like I hate this city and all these things, I do love this man and I'm so grateful to be with him, period. And especially on his birthday and especially any moment I get with him. And it just was so strong. And it was kind of part of what I think opened me up to just being more honest with myself in general. Because first I felt all that love and then I was like, what the fuck are we even doing? You know, I love you. What what the fuck? It, like, it almost felt like, the whole the whole energy or or like i don't know anxious mind cloud of the city had taken me over and i i wanted to shake it off with my rage <laughs> and i did i did ladies and gentlemen i was victorious i love you <laughs> i love you too yeah that was beautiful mm-hmm. yeah we both appreciate life and stoicism has only helped that. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can find that helps you somehow, if you can sort of gather the love you feel for those around you that you really love, I think appreciating that goes a long way. I think it's sort of the point of life in the end of the day is to love those who are dear to you. Yeah. I think that is the greatest purpose we have. Yeah. And... Uh, People are put in our lives that we're 
meant to be with if we're fortunate enough and if our hearts are open to that. Yeah. And for Michaela and I, it's happened when we're about 30. Mm-hmm. Which is so cool. How cool is it? So there's like two and a half months right now where Dylan and I will be the same age. And I'm going to savor every day. We're both 30. Come get us, world. The other day she says she's no longer a cradle robber. <laughs> she was 30 and <laughs> I was 29. <laughs> it was the most scandalous thing that's ever happened. I was dating a hot woman in her 30s. <laughs> I was in my 20s. <laughs> the only time I've been a cougar. <laughs> mm. Well... I've enjoyed every bit of it. And <laughs> speaking of 30, I think it's wonderful that we met each other at this time. Mm. And and I'm so much different of a man than I even was. We were talking about this today than I was even a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. You can look at my Instagram. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, spend time on it. Scroll deep. Get scroll up in deep. there. Scroll deep. Get yeah. deep in my Instagram. No, don't do that. Mm-mm. I don't know what that was. <laughs> don't do it. Don't look at it. Don't follow it. Don't even don't even think about Definitely it. Definitely don't tap on it. Do not tap do on not it. Do not tap on my Instagram. <laughs> Michaela's the only one who can follow my Instagram. Make it for her. I actually barely look at his Instagram. And every once in a while when we look at it, usually together... <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, look at all the things you've done. <laughs> look at all the things you've shared. You're such a funny, interesting man. Am happening. <laughs> we saw so many turtles, you guys, and Dylan got so excited. There's all these uh, turtles in the lakes and rivers out in Texas, and right downtown we were able to walk on the trail and see all these turtles just hanging out on, on the sunny logs, hanging out in some kind of, I don't know, there's like a gathering of various aquatic plants. Maybe Andrew could help us with what those are. I don't know. Um, it was almost like an island of turtles. They were all just hanging out there and then kind of diving underneath it. And I don't know what they were doing. It looked like a whole party. It looked pretty magical. And Dylan got so excited. I love turtles. He loves animals, I'd say. I love animals. It was nice. I really looked forward. That was actually one of the things I was looking forward to most was seeing the turtles, these giant 100-plus-pound turtles. And then he narrates for them. He gives them little voices. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. Well, I can hear what they're saying. Oh, yeah, totally. So I'm just helping others here, too. Yeah, yeah, I need it. I need it. I, I don't know. I'm not insane. Yeah, no. Maybe a little bit. I Whatever it is, I like Perfect it. Perfect amount. Yeah. Nice little seasoning. Mm, insanity. sprinkle. It's for you guys. A little crazy sprinkle. You know, I really love being 30, getting into the end of the episode, because I feel like I've been going to school my whole life just to learn how to live. And now that I know that, I can learn, I, I can progress in a way where I'm really enjoying every single moment. I have my health, thank God, and I don't feel like I'm trying to figure it out anymore. Now what I am figuring out are based on things that I've kind of narrowed down that I kind of know I want to do. I know who I love, I know what I love, I know the things that bring me joy, and I know the places that bring me joy. And now it's sort of exploring all of that. It's kind of nice to be in a place where I kind of know, we were talking about this last night, kind of the things I do and I don't like. I've kind of found myself. And I think, even when I was a kid, I've acknowledged how it seems like it's more fun to be 30 than 20. Hmm. I've seen more of a sense of well-being in the adults. When I was a kid, I specifically remember seeing and sensing more of a well-being and a confidence of people in their 30s who are more established in themselves and in life. 
then sort of the randomness and chaos of these people in their 20s who seemed like a pinball just being flung around in a machine. Wherever they were hit, that's where they went. Yeah. And when you're in your 30s, you kind of know how to work the machine a little bit, kind of be able to somewhat get yourself to where you're going. And I'm starting to feel that peace now. It's been a very, a lot of birthdays haven't felt like anything. I'm like, well, I'm a year older, that's what it says on my ID, but I don't know if I felt anything. But this birthday was like, this whole year from 29 to 30, it's felt like one long bridge towards a better place of peace. And I'm really filled with gratitude that I even made it to 30 because for the longest time, I really didn't believe I'd hit 30. Wow. Especially with my health battles in my mid-20s, I was all fucked up. That's another episode. Mm. But now that I'm healthier and my life is filled with love and I have a solid foundation of a home, my health, mm. you, you know, food in the fridge and knowing what I want to do with my life somewhat, mm. having this podcast, you great people listening to it that I get to interact with mm. on a weekly basis. It's really something I'm grateful for. And I, I feel this one. I feel this birthday. Mm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Well said. Well done. Bravo. What's Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to being 30. Yeah. It's pretty great. I love witnessing your whole process with it, too. Can't wait to see what, what comes from all of this. Yeah. How's mm-hmm. 30 felt for you? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, Wow. A lot happened in 30. Because let's see, June of 2021 is when I turned 30. Here we are, I'll turn 31. 30 Wern. I mean, I met you when I was 30. That's pretty cool. It's pretty epic. Feels like a big deal. And uh, I feel like I, I love the process of continuing to get to know myself and get to know um, how to how to land in a place of peace more often and uh, make friends with reality. So I'm curious to see what comes next. I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot to look forward to and I'm very happy in this moment. It's a, it's a wonderful space to be. So yeah, and I, I do, I remember as a woman hearing from so many other women that being in your 30s, oh, that's when you really feel comfortable in your own skin, that's when you feel comfortable in your own body and I don't know if I would have felt that um, just by hitting 30 or if it's from any of the things that I, I've intentionally pursued in the past decade or so to help me with that. But here I am and I, I do feel very good in my body and as myself. I feel very like congruent with who I am, which is a really nice feeling. Same. Mm. It's beautiful. Well. I think that about wraps it up. I think we did it. We, we went all over the place. We're like a beautiful, winding Texas uh, rolling hills road. So if you guys have taken anything from this podcast, don't you ever fucking go to Austin, Texas. <laughs> and if you do, tell everybody there that they suck. Yeah. No, don't. There's good people. There's good people everywhere. They're just and- not in Austin. <laughs> no. <laughs> sure, sure. Just kidding. <laughs> We met some really sweet people. Even just some strangers were really nice. Yeah. 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 Love you guys. I appreciate you listening to the episode. I will see you next Monday. I know this episode was a little late. Uh, And everyone is canceled. Woohoo! Thanks for having me, Dylan. Fun to be here. Fun to celebrate you.
Thank you always. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being on. Mm-hmm. You guys take care, and I'll see you next time on Everyone is Canceled. Good night. Bye. My boy. <laughs> But just that that stoic concept, right, of remembering that the next moment isn't guaranteed. Our our life and our very existence isn't guaranteed moment to moment, day to day. And I just felt overcome with this feeling of oh, I love this man so much and I want him to know that I love him and I want to feel his heart and I want to feel my own heart and be connected to him in this moment because even though my I'm disappointed that this hasn't been easier, even though we're hot in a car, even though you know I feel like I hate this city and all these things, I do love this man and I'm so grateful to be with him period, and especially on his birthday, and especially any moment I get with him. And it just was so strong. And it was kind of part of what I think opened me up to just being more honest with myself in general. Because first I felt all that love, and then I was like, what the fuck are we even doing? You know, I love you. What what the fuck? It, like, it almost felt like the whole, the whole energy or, or like, I don't know, anxious mind cloud of the city had taken me over and I I wanted to shake it off with my rage. <laughs> and I did. I did, ladies and gentlemen. I was victorious. I love you. <laughs> I love you too.